This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, January 11th. 2021 edition of Invest Talk. I appreciate you all tuning in this hour. I'm going to do my best to make it informative and educational for you today. And we all are aware of the coming changes that are afoot in uh, in Washington, uh, in the economies as we evolve uh, in 2021, in hopefully a post-COVID world. And there's obviously changes in the market happening as well. You're starting to see some major gyrations uh, uh, from major stocks, uh, as well as uh, Chinese stocks. That's kind of a big news recently. Uh, And then you have crypto, which uh, certainly we're going to get to in today's show. And I'm excited to unpack that a little more for you. And we know there are many components to the puzzle of making sound investment decisions, especially in today's world. And we have so much information coming at us. It's hard to decipher, right? But it's your job. It's our job. Have to decipher all this information and distill it down into actionable steps. Now we have still the pandemic fallout. We have the economy evolving, political environment churning, and all these variables will play into it, especially in today's world. Typically, politics means a lot less. Usually it's overblown as a factor in markets. Uh, But over the past decade or so, markets have become political and The direction of markets have become a political football, but also dependent on political action, right? Government spending, Fed action, etc. So there's different dynamics than, say, 20 or 30 years ago, where government was at the margins and today becoming more and more of a permanent factor, an important factor, a central factor, as opposed to a marginal factor. So one thing I can say for sure is that you have to be prepared in this environment, understanding all of these crosswinds, and learn how to compensate for the volatility, the risk, and the opportunity that presents themselves. Now I can help you with that, and that's my goal here on Invest Talk each and every weekday. I'm Justin Klein, and on today's program and podcast, I will do my best to provide you with unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. I know you want and need strategies, perspective, to help deal with these crosswinds, and I am here and ready to take your calls at 888 chart 8899242780 how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now let's quickly get to the market. S&P down about 25 points. 
a little more than half a percent. So modest down day on that front. The biggest down area of the market with large cap growth. The NASDAQ composite was down 165 points over 1%, and you had a lot of the FANG names down. And we've talked about this. Uh, if you watch my Friday YouTube video going over kind of the, the, the trends in the market, showing that, that growth versus value continues to underperform since that September high. It's really when this started in earnest, and a big factor is the higher interest rates. You have the 10-year now at 1.132%. That's the highest level since COVID kind of started. And that's a new revelation, right? How much will the Fed allow interest rates to rise? When will have a knock-on effect on uh, asset multiples, right? Multiples especially for growth stocks that trade at very high multiples and in a lot of ways is a duration trade, meaning if interest rates go up, that is negatively going to negatively affect them. And if you look, 10-year bottomed in early August, right? And it made a higher low. It pulled back at the end of August into early September and then took off again. And that's when you saw growth started to break, right, away from value. And so uh, that's pretty much the biggest dynamic I'm seeing in the market right now, the most important factor. And once again, the 10-year at 1.13, it looks headed, at least headed that 1.4% level as inflation expectations just march higher and higher. Uh, and that is bad for the bond market as a whole. So uh, that is one of the other reasons why you're seeing these FANG names down, right? Tesla down 68 points, about 8% today. Amazon down 68 points, about 2% today, etc. So that's really the big news in the market over the last week. Now, as you can hear, I have a very information-packed podcast for you today. So let's get right to our first caller. We're going to go to Eli in New York. He wants to talk about silver. Hey there. Really enjoy the program. Uh, quick question on silver. There was a significant sell-off yesterday that I think was uh, pretty oversold on, on several indicators. I was wondering what you think that was uh, a result of either manipulation, um, uh, the yield changing uh seemed like it was going to it broke out of a channel and was going to continue on the upside especially with the context of a democratic senate so just wondering what your thoughts were on that fell off well i think part of it was the breakout in yields right higher what's most important to the precious metal market are real yields and the the Nominal yields, right? The 10 year treasury yield breaking out, that certainly brings up, tends to bring up real yields as well if inflation expectations don't keep up with it. And while inflation expectations are, do continue to rise, uh, they're not rising quite as fast as the nominal rate. And therefore, the, the, uh, real yield is actually rising a bit, but very small amount. It's, it's really nothing compared to the overall trend. You still see inflation expectations rising considerably. So, uh, I see this more as a one-off event. Technically, it didn't change anything. The uptrend is still intact. The silver to gold ratio, although it did take a hit on Friday, like you said, uh, it's still above its 
100-day moving average, it's 50-day moving average, and all of those moving averages are pointed higher. So uh, as, as long as that is intact, I see this is fine. You know, something similar happened in late September, mid to late September, uh, and we hit to 100-day moving average and just kind of marched higher from there. So uh, I see this is just kind of more of a one-off event. Nothing in my mind has changed because I don't see the dollar reversing. I don't see real yields reversing in any dramatic way because of where policy is going. Uh, and uh, I just don't see uh, the, the trend really, really changing for any material fundamental reason. And therefore, I am a buyer of a dip like this in the silver market. Thanks for the call, Eli. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we made it. We are now in the second week of trading for 2021, and keep in mind that through the continuing uncertainty, the task of building our financial freedom must continue. Cannot afford to backslide in the new year. I know you might feel, oh, phew, 2020 is over. Well, guess what? 2020 is the start of what will likely be a very tumultuous 2020s. And that means you have to be extra vigilant to make sure you meet your goals on the savings side as well as the investment side to reach your own particular version of financial freedom. And this requires information and effective strategies. So we should talk about whatever is on your mind. Your participation is vital. So we're taking your calls live at 888 chart It's an Invest Talk Monday. Justin Klein is here taking your questions live. How is your portfolio doing? Are you prepared for continuing volatility? You've got questions. Call Invest Talk. 888 99Chart. 888 99Chart. 888 I encourage you to get your call in sooner rather than later. Now, my focus point today concerns a story by last week. The worth of the crypto market exceeded $1 trillion, but recent volatility has driven Bitcoin down over 20% from its recent high, uh, north of 40000 And we hit around 30000 today. So, uh, quite the, the roller coaster ride should be expected though, but we're going to dig into that topic and give you my evolving thoughts about the space. My evolving thoughts about the space because this is an environment or uh, a new class of asset that is going to be it's going to be volatile, not only in its price, but its adoption, its narrative around it, its uh, fit within the financial ecosystem, and the government space as well, right? government regulation. So I'm going to give you kind of my evolving thoughts in that space. Next, with the Democrats gaining control of the Senate uh, last week in Georgia, it looks like there will be some potential big changes to the personal finance area, right? We're talking about taxes, retirement, student loans, uh, what else? Write-offs for uh, caregiving and, and uh, maternity leave. There's just a lot that potentially could come down the pipe 
that is probably going to impact you in some way, shape, or form. And we're going to kind of go over point by point quickly to see, uh, give you a sense of what could likely come down the pipe over the next couple of years now that the Dems pretty much have control of all three houses uh, of government for the next couple of years. And next, bond investments. Right? In an environment where interest rates are rising now, inflation expectations are rising, how do you how should you view bonds, right? After 35 plus years of interest rates falling, we're likely to head into a time where interest rates go up and inflation goes up. And guess what? That means tough times for bonds. That doesn't mean you get rid of them completely. Doesn't mean that they're all bad. But you have to understand them in the context of this new regime. And then lastly, we're going to go over some, some economic news. We'll touch on that as well. Now, let's head over to Oceanside and talk to Carl. He wants to talk about Volkswagen. Yes, uh, there are two. I'm planning to buy that Volkswagen stock. And there are mm -hmm. two symbols, V-W-A-P-Y and V-W-A-G-Y. What is the difference between P-Y and G-Y? Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I I don't know exactly. I'd have to. I, I would actually talk to your broker. One is traded on OTC. Let me look at the other one. That's the one that ends in GY. Yeah, and then there's PY. There's okay. Yeah, I'm just. I, I honestly haven't. I've looked into the company as a whole, but I haven't looked at which share class would make the most sense. They're all traded on the uh, the OTC markets, it looks like. And so yes. it really comes down to the the cost of trading each share class. So I would talk to your broker about that. Um, sorry, I don't have more for you. I haven't really broken down each symbol yet. But I will do that here coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks, and hopefully I'll get back to you. You listen to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And as serious investors, we try our best to manage our emotions, fear, and greed. Because that practice can make you and will make you a better investor. So we can talk about that or whatever is on your mind. Can help you. I want to help you, but your participation is vital. Like I said, we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. What makes a stock fit into a certain category like emerging markets? Or what's your question? Why not ask it now at 888-99-CHART on InvestTalk. This is InvestTalk. The start of a new year promises many changes. For investors, the challenge will be how to stay focused on maintaining your assets while navigating market volatility. That's where Steve Peasley and Justin Klein can help. The phone lines are open and waiting for your questions now. 888-99-CHART. Let's head over to San Francisco and talk to Emilios looking at BGS, B&G Foods. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Do you own BGS? Are you looking to buy it? I'm looking to buy it for the dividends, uh, and I'm thinking if it's a solid company, I'll own it for the next 20 years. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still like BGS. I think their, their management is strong. Now, it's not going to be an exciting 
player, and I think its recent bump up is probably going to take a breather here, right? It's 52 week low, it's $10.39. It's at $27.28 today. That's about 14% off its 52 week high, which is right around $32 a share. And you get in that nice 7% yield. However, you know, their balance sheet is a little stretched. They do have a decent amount of debt that they're probably going to need to uh, use some of their cash flow to delever. So I don't think that yield to go up. I also think near term, the, this is the anti, or the, this is the anti-reopening trade, right? One of the big reasons why their business last year only made $1.63 and it's supposed to make $2.35 in 2020, right? I keep saying last year as 2019. So 2019 made $1.63, $2.35 expected for the full year 2020 once they released those Q4 earnings. Uh, and one of the reasons why that happened was more people were going to the store buying their packaged goods, frozen foods, etc. And that's going to reverse to some degree. So I think we're going to get back closer to $1.63 that, we were, that they were making last year. And now earnings are expected to be $2.32 a share. So uh, I, I expect that to be, like I said, closer to $2, maybe even below that. And so expectations are going to come down. On top of that, interest rates are rising. So that is bad for utilities. It's bad for consumer staples like this, right? So uh, that's why you're starting to see the decline in the stock down about 14% in just the past couple of weeks. So is it a good company long term? Yes, I think they're, they're good management. They, they buy brands and they pump, pump them in their pipeline. They do very well. And I think that that's a smart strategy and has done well over the long term. But near term, I would be a little tepid on it. It would be, you know, which not too excited about the name in the near term, but if it does pull back maybe into that $20 range, right from 27 now, I think that would be a much better buying opportunity. Thanks for the call, Emilios. Now my focus point today concerns this story. By last week, the worth of the crypto market exceeded $1 trillion. However, Bitcoin just dropped about 25%. Now it's all over the place. Let's see where, let's see where we're at live right now as of this recording. We are at 34,800, and that was uh, down to about 30,000 earlier today. Uh, and you can just see, you know, the, the, the high on January 8th was 42,000, roughly. 41,989 was the high. And now we got as low as 30,302 just a few hours ago. And so this is. Uh, should be expected. You should expect this type of volatility. It's a new asset class. Um, and the ethos of the space is actually different from what the market looks like today. And what I mean by that is crypto and Bitcoin itself was designed, developed with the idea of circumventing a system where money could be printed out of thin air, right? To create some sort of hard currency. To circumvent the traditional financial channels that were dominated by lobbyists and politicians and create an independent, decentralized currency. That was the purpose of it. Well, you have to ask the question today, has it succeeded with the price going up so dramatically? Has it succeeded in its mission? And I would assert that the answer is still absolutely not, right? 
the financial system still exists in the same way. Uh, you cannot transact in the world very much with just simply crypto, right? Just simply Bitcoin. It has turned into more of a store of value is the, is the mantra. And certainly that store of value is going up. But in a volatile way, but that should be expected with a new asset class. Anything that is owned by a select few that doesn't have much institutional sponsorship is expected to have this type of volatility. Because ebbs and flows in liquidity will bring out the, the sellers, right? Now that brings me to what is next for crypto, which is institutions. And institutions are picking up and gaining exposure to the space. And the more that happens, the harder it's going to be for governments to crack down on it, to really make major changes. Now they are introducing uh, legislation and there likely will be more down the pipe. So with this volatility, it just should remind you why you don't need to have a lot. This is a binary outcome. Either it's going to soar to the moon or it's gonna crash and burn. And so over leveraging yourself just brings way too much risk. I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent 
So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. Have you heard about Riskalyze? It's a brief question and answer form that you fill out online. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will also get a copy of your responses. They can use the Riskalyze results to help you formulate a strategy that fits your investing risk tolerance. Learn more anytime and take the Riskalyze quiz at investtalk.com. Hey, Justin and Steve. I was wondering what you guys thought about the ticker symbol GDLC. It's a grayscale digital large cap fund. Wondering if this is a good vehicle to get exposure to cryptocurrencies as a small portion of my portfolio. Also, it says it's an LLC. I was wondering if there's any like special tax consequences for an LLC. Is it like a MLP or is it more like a regular stock? If you could answer that question, be much appreciated. Thanks for everything you guys do. All right. Uh, I don't think there are any <laughs> tax co- tax consequence differences, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, but I, I'm not a CPA, so I can't guarantee that we don't deal with these LLCs that are publicly traded, and they're pretty rare. But I'll go to the underlying assets, and this goes back to kind of our main focus point today, which is which is Bitcoin. Uh, but this is going to gain you exposure to uh, dozens and dozens of different cryptocurrencies. Uh, it looks like they gain exposure to large cap, meaning the, the ones that make up 70% of the total market cap of the crypto space. Um, but this also shows me that this has become a speculative asset. Excuse me. It's not... Crypto is no longer this vehicle to decentralize finance and to gain independence from the financial system, right? You're talking about ETFs that are investing in it. It's dependent on the financial system in the current form, right? So crypto has certainly gone far away from that bare bones ethos, like I said. And so if you would like to participate in this speculative frenzy, which I think the the rest of the crypto space, for the most part, is that. And you could even say Bitcoin, to some degree, has been co-opted by a fervent fan base of people that are only out to make money, not to really change the financial system. Not to 
gain control of their financial lives from central banks, politicians, big banks, etc. That was the grassroots of what crypto is. Now, it can still get there. Doesn't mean that it can't go back on in that lane. But you have to understand that the vast majority of the people in the space today are simply speculating on the price going up. That's it. And when that happens, you can ride the wave. But inevitably, the wave turns the other way. And guess what? Those people that aren't in it to fulfill the goal of what crypto was invented for, they're going to sell, right? Those people that are in it just simply to make money, to trade, they're going to sell. They're weak hands. They're not strong hands. You know, the, the mantra HODL, H-O-D-L. The vast majority of people in the crypto space today are not those people. And so, if you want to be part of that, technically, the charts in the crypto space look bullish. They look strong. You want to ride that wave, ride the wave. But understand what wave you're riding. The wave can get a lot bigger. It can go on for a long time. But eventually comes crashing down because there's nothing underlying it. And I think Bitcoin has that underlying strength of a community that is building something that has value. What value, how much value, yet to be seen. Thanks for the call. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. We have about 20 minutes left in the show. Now, with the Georgia runoffs going in favor of the Democrats, you now have a kind of unified government coming here by the end of this month, what, nine days away. And there are some major changes that are likely to come down the pipe when it comes to personal finance. So we're going to go down the list of these. Now, first is obviously stimulus payments. Uh, we've, they've already passed the $600 payments. Those have already gone out to most people. Uh, but the House passed a bill to increase that stimulus to $2,000. Republicans in the Senate currently rejected it. But as a new, uh, new Senate is brought in, on the 20th, then we are going to likely get a passage of the $2,000 payments. And this is actually going to be better for those higher income earners, right? So right now, those 2000 or fa- or that 600 is phased out for anybody over seven- that makes over 75000 So that's really only for those that make under $75,000 a year. However, as you get to 2000 that limit is going to go up. Now, it's certainly going to be negotiated, but you at least get partial payments. It doesn't just go away, right? Uh, that starts uh, phasing out, I think, at 75, excuse me. And so that's likely going to mean more money for those that make over that $75, but hasn't been passed yet. So we'll see. But more people will be getting checks, most likely. Then you have the c- more extension of provisions of the CARES Act. For example, penalty-free withdrawal from as much as $100,000 from RA, uh, retirement accounts, right? IRAs, 401ks, etc. 
Also, potential suspension of required minimum distributions, which I thought never made sense. It's just basically saying you don't have to sell your stocks. Well, guess what? Stocks are up. So it's not going to, uh, that probably won't be extended, but it still could be. A retirement bill is likely to be passed as well over the next couple of years. There's a few measures that Democrats are basically proposing. One is increase the age of requirement minimum distributions from 72 today to 75 and waive required minimum distributions for those that have account balances less than $100,000. Basically saying, hey, if you don't have that much money, we're not going to force you to take money out. Especially if it's not that much money. You might be saving that for a rainy day, for uh, medical expenses, etc. We'll also permit employers to use 401k matching contributions to help repay student loans. So that'll be interesting. So going to student loans, Biden has talked about forgiving a substantial part of federal student loan debt. And his proposal is giving $10,000 in debt forgiveness for every American with federal student loans. So I think that will likely pass. What's next? Federal student loan payments. Currently, payments are deferred for any payments up until January 31st, which after that they're set to resume. But that is likely to be extended, and that can be done actually by executive action, so you don't even need Congress for that. Then when you get into taxes, likely tax rates for those over making over $400,000 a year are likely to go from 37% today to 39.6, which it was pre-2018. Also expanding child tax credits, first-time homebuyer credits, that's likely to happen as well. There's also going to be a repeal of the ability to write off your state taxes. Currently that cap is $10,000 for single filers and married couples. That likely will go away. So uh, those in high-tax states, you'll get a little bit of federal tax break on that as well. And I think one of the big changes nobody's talking about is capital gains on investments at death. So basically, hey, if you pass away, you owe taxes, not just a step up and you get to defer those for generation and generation to generation. That actually will happen at death, and that could change the dynamics of the market and a lot of families, right? If you have big capital gains on real estate, stocks, etc. Next will be support for uh, women caregivers. The proposed plan is to cut tax for low-income and middle-class families for the cost of childcare up to eight thousand for one child and sixteen thousand for two or more children. What else? I think that's yeah, more, more help for small businesses. So those are kind of the main things. Oh, the 401k deduction, that's going to be big. Basically, a flat refundable tax credit of 26%. Because right now, if you're in a high tax bracket and you contribute to your 401k, an IRA, etc., your tax saving is, is whatever your federal income tax rate is. Right? If it's 37%, you're at the highest. That's a lot higher than somebody who doesn't make a lot of money. And so it would even that out to about 26%. So that would be interesting. Now let's keep the pace moving. Go back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier at 888 99 chart. 
Jay, Steve, and Justin, and Robert over in Rosemead. Love the show. Love what you guys do, and thank you for all your knowledge. I've got another data center read question for you guys. I wanted to take a look at DLR. Right now it appears really beaten down, and I'm sure that the data center business is booming, so I wanted your opinion on the stock. Again, Digital Really Trust, DLR. Thank you. Have a good one. All right, looking at D, Digital Realty Trust, DLR is the symbol, $37 billion market cap. This is actually a name we do own for clients. Uh, it is down, we've owned it for some time, so it is down about 20% from its high, and we recently picked it up for a lot of new clients, I'll say that. Uh, we do like it at these levels, yields about 3.4%, which doesn't sound crazy exciting, but revenue last quarter up 27%, 24% the previous quarter. Obviously, with COVID, certainly more demand for data centers, and that's certainly helping them. Uh, but we like uh, th their their strategy, their their management. Uh, our value is back around where the highs were this year, around one hundred and sixty dollars a share. I guess you say last year. <laughs> Got to get used to that. Uh, when it was uh, yeah, one hundred and sixty dollars a share. Now we're at one thirty, one thirty one twenty seventh to close today. Big fan of Digital Realty Trust. I'm Justin Klein, you're listening to Invest Talk, and you are not alone. As you might assume, the greatest number of our listeners are here in the U.S. However, it's interesting to note that we attract an audience from all over the world. Canada, U.K., Australia, Germany, China, Japan, Switzerland, even India, Thailand, Korea, Saudi Arabia, Russia, and many, many more. So, Stephen, I thank you for downloading Invest Talk. And also for telling your family and friends about our free investing and financial podcast. Please keep those calls, questions, and email messages coming in. We love them. And of course, you're welcome to call our KPP Financial Offices in Irvine, California at 800 557 5461. We will help you. We want to help you. So give us a call. But for now, our phone lines are open at 888 99Chart. This is Invest Talk. You can get your free Invest Talk podcast downloads anytime at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or investtalk.com. I am a big fan of your podcast, and I just got started with it. Be sure to tell your friends and family members about Invest Talk and encourage them to listen, rate, and review. The Anytime Listener lines never close. Steve and Justin are waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. My name's Travis from Minnesota. I'm 22 years old, and when I'm looking at stocks, should I be paying attention to dividend yields and, you know, reinvesting dividends, or should I be focusing on individual companies that are, you know, reinvesting that would-be dividend into, uh, you know, improving a company to grow long-term? Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Uh, the answer is, is both. Uh, you want dividend yields. Uh, dividend yield is great. Um, and let me help you put dividend payments uh, in context based on the data and what they mean for investing long-term and for companies. Now, the best thing about a dividend is not just that it, you get cash flow, uh, it proves that the company and business is making money, uh, because that's really not the longer-term benefit of a dividend. The longer-term benefit is good capital allocation. When a company is successful, it's making money, has money laying around, and it needs somewhere to go, managers 
tend to spend it if they have it, either on acquisitions, on new uh, internal development, R&D projects, etc. And the easiest thing is to make acquisitions. And most managers overpay. Right? They fall in love with the business and the vision of what that company combined with their own will do, and what those products and services will look like. And they tend to overpay for it. That's what history says. Or they have money laying around and they just throw money at all these different projects, whether they really make sense or not. Meaning their capital allocation tends to get more loose, less disciplined as they have more money. But when they pay out a dividend and they need to focus on making sure that a dividend is paid, right? They don't want to cut the dividend. They don't want to be the CEO that cuts the dividend. They're going to be less judicious when it comes to buying companies, having projects. And they're going to be better capital allocators. That's what the statistics say. And so when you're looking at dividend yields or uh, companies, you want to look at good profits, good return on invested capital, good return on equity, good cash flows. If they pay a dividend, great. They don't, that's fine too, as long as they're taking that money and they're doing, they're making smart decisions with it. That makes sense for you as the shareholder. So I hope that gives you a little context and helps you make better decisions. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here each and every day on Invest Talk is to help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Stephen in Seattle looking at Tata Motors. How's it going? Going well. You are looking to buy it or you own it? Oh, I'm actually in an option trade in it right now. I've actually overheard it on the podcast about a month ago. I was listening to Steve. Yeah, and he was saying that it was going to rise back up to 15, and it actually did. Um, mm-hmm. I got in when it was about 12, and I just wanted to ask if you think it's a strong hold for into next week. Uh, I know they got earnings at the end of the month, and they got into electrification, and they've been making better sales. And I'm just wondering what you think about it. Well, first off, you have an option trade. So when's the expiration on that, and what's the strike? Uh, 122, and my break even's at 14.36. Okay. Uh, so this had, uh, you know, you're getting close to expiration, right? Uh, 11 days uh, away from that expiration. So you really need to think about getting out sooner rather than later, right? You don't want to wait and be pressed into making a decision the last couple of days, and then you have option premium decaying each and every day, right? Uh, So you're in the money, you're making money, and this is up today because of rumors that they're going to get into an agreement with uh, Tesla to produce the cars uh, in India, right? Produce cars in India. So that's uh, that big rumor. Now, 
oftentimes a big rumor like this, it takes a few days for that information to settle into the stock, right? Everyone's trying to figure out, is this actually true? Is this a false rumor? Uh, and so I would give it probably a day or two. I would probably get rid of that option tomorrow or the next day. Uh, because it's that de option is going to decay very fast. The the, the time uh, the time value is going to decay really fast, especially as we get into next week. So by the end of the week, for sure. But probably around the Wednesday time frame is when I would think about dumping it. Had huge volume today. Likely expect another big volume day tomorrow. And uh, when this reverses, it will reverse rather quickly. But uh, give it a little more room to potentially run over the next couple of days. But be quick, especially by Wednesday, maybe Thursday, uh, to, to dump it. Okay? All right. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate it. Thank, thanks for the call, Stephen. That was Ta Ta Motor. TTM is the symbol. Now, lastly, I want to touch on bonds. And... You know, we're in an environment where there are, we have a higher interest rates, interest rates are rising, you have inflation expectations rising, but still nominally rates are relatively low. I know it doesn't seem like rates are rising, 1.13 on the 10 year is not big numbers, but we're likely seeing a breakout here, right? Where government's coming in, they're repairing balance sheets of not just corporations, but also individuals. Deleveraging balance sheets, putting money into people's pockets, and that is going to drive inflation, especially if there's an infrastructure bill as well. Now, it still remains difficult to find income generating opportunities, especially without exposing yourself to those higher interest rates. Right? If interest rates go up dramatically, if you have long duration assets, meaning bonds that mature 10 plus years in the future, that can be a big issue if interest rates take off. So how do you get income in this environment? Well, first, dividends are a good place to be if you can find companies that not just are paying high dividends today, but are growing dividends over time. That's certainly most important. So from a risk-adjusted standpoint, good, solid dividend-paying companies are a good place to be. Next, you can think about bank loans. Bank loans tend to rise as interest rates go up. They tend to be floating rate. Tips is another one. Treasury inflation protected securities, if you're trying to be very low risk, but you want to keep up with that potential inflation, there's something to think about. Emerging markets, right? If the dollar is going to weaken, <coughs> which it has and looks like it's going to continue, that's another area where you can gain some tailwinds from foreign currency exposure as well. So those are some of my thoughts on the fixed income market. Try to start going shorter term and try not to expose yourself too much to duration risk. Credit risk in this environment is better than duration risk. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening and we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. We record the show live each and every weekday, 4 to 5 Pacific time, and you can listen live on our website, investtalk.com, or you can get the free download anytime on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Be sure to rate and review. 
We invite you to call with your questions anytime on our Invest Talk Voice Bank number at 888 chart Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.